This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Just because I like somebody of the same sex or I identify as who I truly am doesn't mean that I should be a threat to your life. <laughs> I didn't ask to be here. <laughs> I didn't ask to be born. <laughs> Let me live. Right. <laughs> Hi, everyone. It's V. Welcome back to another episode of Don't Ask V That, the space where I get to talk about all taboo topics affecting trans women of color and queer youth today. As always, I want to give a big thank you to all my dollies listening. In a world where trans people are ignored, attacked, and overlooked, you open the door for important conversations that make us heard. If you enjoy listening, make sure to tell everybody to stream Don't Ask V That on all streaming platforms and leave a like and review so we can continue to have this safe space for queer people of color like myself. But for today's episode, we are going to be talking about all things online bullying and i'm gonna bring in the one the only claudina hello hello thank you so much for having me of course i just want you to introduce yourself tell me a little bit about what you do so what's the gig i'm claudina um i'm known for my own cyber bullying the number one cyber bully and digital- <laughs> i don't think you're known for just that no, not just that but just mostly <laughs> no i i'm known for my doll content um i started when i was 10 doing stop motions and then it's became becoming a doll by dressing like them period so you've been doing it for a long time uh she's a veteran right she's she's old what got you started um when i was three years old you know i actually watched all of your your podcasts so i saw that your mom was saying that you used to run around the house in a towel right so when i was a kid i used to run around my house in a blanket like a little red blanket and i would play with my aerial doll so i feel like that's really how i got that's so sweet. Oh, I with dolls. I was oh like, yeah, my I really gosh. with that vibe. And what got you like started with your whole YouTube journey? Um, obviously, you do a lot of content with and about doll collecting and stuff like that. Yes. So like what got you into like posting about it? A lot of people will be like, oh, I just really love whatever they're passionate about. So I feel like, right. you know, you talk a lot about trans advocacy. Mm-hmm. Um, I just wanted validation and attention. I wanted approval. <laughs> I was a really lonely kid, to be honest. So I felt like having an online platform where mm-hmm. I could create a voice for myself when I didn't really have a voice in the real world is what I was looking for. Right, right. So I just always tell people, like, I just wanted validation. Yeah. I wanted the likes and the views. I'm exactly. not even front. Why would I lie about that? I know. I think often, like, doll collecting is looked at as such, like, a niche thing, which I think it is at times. But, you know, I feel like everybody enjoys it in one way or another, whether, like, they enjoy collecting action figures or different cars. It's like, I thing. feel like everybody, like, to an extent, likes to collect Call something. Call it what it is. It's exactly. a doll. Yeah. Your Funko's a doll. Your action <laughs> figure's a doll. <laughs> but seriously, I do feel like it's interesting because dolls are kind of, like, on the rise. Yeah. And it's almost, like, further proof that, you know, who doesn't love a good doll? For sure. I think there's, like, a big nostalgia trip right now too or like especially with like the barbie movie coming out mm-hmm. are you excited for that i see you're so excited literally dressed as margot oh, robbie herself I am, <laughs> I am so excited so i don't know if this is like a neurodivergent trait or what but like i have to <laughs> i gotta dress up uh whenever there's a new a new doll line literally out. every single time there's a different doll coming out or like a new just 
occasion right. for something. Take that's... a personality. <laughs> you literally get the outfit to the T. Like everyone's gagged always. <laughs> well, this this is by Eddie's Design. So he's known for uh, creating. For, yeah, well, he created for you. Yes. He created for you as well. So he creates for like sugar and spice. And, ah! um, he made this quick right. minutes. Like it took like an hour or something. Now that I recognize it, I kind of recall watching like a design video yeah. that he made. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, he also designed this because I'm auditioning for Oklahoma. Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> is that right? Are you going to be Cassie? I, I am Cassie. Okay. Am okay. Cassie. <laughs> Whose man is you cheating with? <laughs> Every single one. <laughs> Ken, Alan. Bye. <laughs> I'm somebody who collects dolls as well, and that's actually something we've like bonded over for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, that's literally how we met. No, literally. I I was gonna ask if like you can recall the first time we met. Of course. Yeah. What do you I mean, mean? I, it's just like getting the ball rolling. But <laughs> yes, of course I remember. So right. you should tell them exactly. No, I mean, okay. For me, like I was such a big fan of Claudina before I even met them. I was watching their YouTube videos, and like in the midst of me getting back into my doll collecting, because like I had collected them when I was a kid but like not as an adult I would see like these ranking videos of like different brats facts would be like 15 brats facts that you didn't know and I'd be obsessed but I was like wait like I want a doll of my own so I decided to like start collecting again and that's when I saw Claudine and I was like oh my gosh this is something you can do like in the later stages of your life so yeah absolutely so then we were DMing a little bit and you were visiting LA. Right. And we had a doll hunt. We we literally met like I think you came to my apartment and then we went to Target. Yeah. That, that was, was so fun. Yeah, we did that whole like doll rivalry thing mm-hmm. where I was like at the time, I only collected brats. I think you were a big Monster High oh. stand. Well, see, Monster High wasn't even, I don't think it was back out yet. But all I can think about is the, come on, me emo boy. No, literally. <laughs> <'cause>, <laughs> I just can't. That- we were trying to like record pussy stunts outside of the Target. And like there was literally like grandpas and moms like looking at us while we were playing Aisha Erotica. It, it just was- came back to me that we took all those paparazzi shots in the in the Target cart. Yes. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> we were being so extra. But, like, it was a beautiful time for me because I was in high school at the time. I didn't have, like, that so great of friends, you know. Oh, we're definitely going to have to get into that. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. I just, like, didn't have a space where I could fully feel like I could be, like, myself. And yeah. That was one of the first times, especially, like, I would always come out to L.A. just so I could be myself and, like meet the people that actually care about me when you would come out though like i would never think that you're so confident i always say this like you are the most confident person i know and you really seem to have known yourself when i met you so i would have never thought yeah that's how you felt i'd say like even though i've had confidence it's easy to hide kind of like what you're sad about um but honestly like my social media has given me kind of like a reclaim of my power if that makes sense like not only was I bullied in school but also online and so I kind of had to learn in a sense how to take the hate and use it to my benefit and kind of use it as like a motivation for me to continue to propel myself for the future but I think like as queer people Everybody has to do that or you will never get through anything like discrimination. You're literally discriminated every day for just existing. For real, especially now, Mm -hmm. especially now. Well, maybe not especially now. Our predecessors would be like, well, you know, we Mm -hmm. went through some things that perhaps we are more privileged to not have to experience. Exactly. I think that we still experience discrimination. It's definitely like on a way lesser level because generations before us, people have in a sense like 
paved the way for us mm-hmm. and literally just being themselves and representing themselves. But we're doing it on a level where it's like we are outwardly like using what the world hates us for as our brands, as our kind of entity. Yeah, and it's like reclaiming. So I'm supposed to be doing a pride campaign with Monster High. And what I identified as pride is taking back your narrative when the world tries to tell your story for you. Right. Because I feel like that there's a lot of that going on, like people trying to make claims of like what being queer is and that's what I heard my whole life growing up mm-hmm. was like gay people are predators gay people are like dangerous right. queer people are dangerous mm-hmm. and I feel like pride is about reclaiming that narrative and being like you know I'm just literally out here exactly vibing like existing. existing just because I like somebody of the same sex or I identify as who I truly am doesn't mean that you know I should be a threat to your life <laughs> right um, I didn't ask to be here honestly I think that's <laughs> I didn't ask to be born. <laughs> Let me live. Right. <laughs> That'll get us into today's topic for sure mm-hmm. is online bullying. Why is the topic online bullying important to you? Um, Mostly because it's my favorite pastime. Really? <laughs> I'm like, for me, sometimes it does give me like sort of like a let me reclaim my power. Okay. In, in all seriousness, like, yeah, I yeah. do think like, first of all, nobody hates me more than I hate myself. So <laughs> go on and say what you want to say. Bye. But I do think that I'm very passionate about this topic because like you were expressing, like I was bullied a lot growing up. Right. I was always and I don't know if you've ever taken the RADS test, Mm-mm. but I need to see a psychiatrist ASAP because I scored very high. It's basically like it's a test for neurodivergence and like your neurodivergent traits. Mm-hmm. And I feel like growing up, I just didn't really pick up on social cues. So I was really bullied for that. Right. But then also being so queer and expressive online, I do think that I um, and it a bit of an expert on on online harassment from both sides. You know, yeah. I'm not even going to front. I feel like growing up, as a way to protect and defend myself, I'm, I'm sure there's plenty of people I bullied online and didn't even realize. So, right. you know, I, th- I like to think I'm a master at this topic. Mm-hmm. No, for me, it's like, I don't know. A lot of people are familiar, at least if they know me or anything about my social media presence, is that people just constantly come for me for just nitpicking of anything that I talk about. And it typically is because I'm talking about hard topics that are taboo for the trans community. So it's kind of like uncharted territory. Um, You see The Little Mermaid? Yes. Uncharted waters? Bye. (laughs) Uncharted waters. (laughs) But, you know, in that sense, people give me more hate and backlash because they're just, they don't like what they're not familiar with. No, of course. And, you know, there's... I don't know what she identifies as, like maybe an author, like a podcaster herself, but her name is Africa Brooke. And she talks about how if you are to put yourself out there, you're going to get criticism. Right. And you kind of have to choose between performing or being authentic to yourself and like having a having a voice and to forfeit that voice is you know, a very lonely life. So I feel like there's a lot to be said about you. Yeah. I willing. was even asking questions leading up for this podcast and somebody was like, you have to make sure that you're prepared to get hate. And I'm just like, I feel like that's true. But at the same time, like, is it warranted? There's a lot to unpack there because in some ways I do feel like that's like gaslighting. It's mm-hmm. almost like victim shaming because, oh, you chose to put yourself out there. So exactly. you should just expect to get hate. Like being realistic Yes, obviously you're going to receive hate. But does that mean you're deserving of hate? Absolutely not. Like no abuse is ever warranted. Mm -hmm. I think we need to stop this normalization of like, well, you put yourself out there. Or like, well, you know, you chose this. That's literally verbiage that we use to victim shame people.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You kind of went over this briefly, but how did your social media start? I believe you started with your cousin, correct? Um, Technically, I started in 2007 on YouTube with Pokemon cards. Yeah. So nobody really knows this, but I had like another channel it wasn't like successful or anything but I saw people doing Pokemon card unboxings and I really wanted views I don't think consciously that's like what I was aware of mm -hmm. but I saw these other people doing Pokemon card unboxings and getting so many views and I yeah. wanted to be popular and yeah. liked. Oh. That's really, I just wanted to be liked. I was so lonely. Yeah. It's sad, but like, you yeah. know, it is what it is. Were you a lonely person in sort of like your schools, you would say? Yeah, and honestly, were you like seeking for yes just attention and validation from those that weren't at school? I think, I think there's a couple, a couple things. So if you haven't seen, um, my mom has a deformity half of her face is covered in a birthmark and mm -hmm. it swells. So whenever we would go out in public, like we knew people were making fun of us and maybe not me per se, but when someone's making fun of your mom, like they're making fun of you yeah. because, you know, she's a part of me. Mm -hmm. So everywhere I was going, like there was so much anxiety and tension around everyone's looking at us. Everybody's making fun of us. Like we couldn't right. walk into the local Walmart without people having something to say or see. Yeah. So then going into school, I had so much anxiety about that because I was just so used to being so hyper vigilant and like putting me in a fight or flight mode at all times. Yeah. But again, like I had like neurodivergent traits where I just didn't know why people didn't like me for such a long time. I was always like, what's wrong with me? Like, I wish someone would just give me a rule book on how to make friends or like how to fit in, because if somebody told me what to do, mm -hmm. I would have just done it. Right. But I didn't know. So then I turned to the Internet where I saw people were becoming popular for just opening cards. It was like, mm -hmm. you know, people have to like me then. Mm -hmm. and, and at that point, like you don't realize, especially at seven years old, that social media is kind of a numbers game. You have to understand analytics. You have to understand like metadata and how the algorithm processes like the quality of your content. Yeah. But all I was seeing was numbers. And I was like, I want views. I want views. Like, I want to be popular. I want mm -hmm. people to like me so right. desperately. Mm -hmm. And yeah. So did you kind of like care what the attention was, negative or not? I didn't want negative attention. Like, I was very, very sensitive. And I guess I didn't mm -hmm. even, again, I was seven years old. So like, yeah. I'm not really thinking about that. But I would get very offended. I mean, to this day, I get so offended by comments. I'm a very sensitive person. Me as well. <laughs> so yeah, I can't even like look at comments without just not wanting to look at them like I will genuinely not look at comments and it makes me sad because there's so many people who appreciate me there is. and are trying to show me love but I'm just like for my mental health I can't look at it all day and I don't think it's healthy for you to even look at positive comments about yourself because so, yeah sometimes you know you, you can't take the good without the bad mm -hmm. and I, I do think that again this is another thing I think people shame people for which is like well you're just focusing on the negative comment don't just focus on the negative comment yeah Bitch, if anybody could just do that, like we just wouldn't do it. But the human brain is literally wired to focus on those types of things. Because from my understanding, I don't want to spread pseudoscience, yeah. but we're naturally trained to be problem solvers. So when we see like this type of conflict, it feels threatening and you want to, right. you, know, you want to figure out how to fix that. Quick, it's hard to you be can't. classy. Like, mm. I don't know. Mm. I've always been somebody that's like an activist at heart. Like my trans activism was before online. Um, so like I was really just doing kind of 
normal little comedy videos at first. Um, the, but like you, the musically, the- yes, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know the dances. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like you, I had like an unsuccessful YouTube channel as well. Like <laughs> secret, secret, you know, channel. it got me in a way to like start what I know today on how to like content create and like yeah. edit videos and stuff. So I'm thankful for that. Um, I kind of experienced like online bullying from my peers at school because they're just cowardly and didn't want to say anything in person. I mean, I watched again, I watched the episode with your mom and I was like, wow, I didn't even know how much you went through. Yeah. Like that's a lot. Well, I also like I try to just like focus on the positive, which sometimes I feel like can be like an inaccurate depiction of kind of she's been a little delulu yeah (laughs) well it's like not accurate with what the trans community goes through like most of it is negative um Mm -hmm. and i do try to kind of like polish it with sunshines and rainbows and make it like more enjoyable that it is but that's really just like i guess like my subconscious trying to convince me that i'm okay i am curious like how you how you navigate that because i struggle a lot with that myself like do you do you rationalize like have defense mechanisms up and like pretend everything's okay Mm mm-hmm or do you ad- address things and like do you think about it a lot because I don't I think any type of imbalance isn't healthy but then it, honestly because I'm doing this video on Barbie mm-hmm. she pretends everything's fine all the time right and she's still surviving and thriving but yeah. we're not a brand like we're people so yeah. how do you navigate that as a person and it's really hard because I am becoming a brand and I am you yeah. know in a sense you know? like marketing my vulnerability when I'm doing ads like they're asking me to talk about like things in my daily lives and I'm just like it gets draining it dehumanizes it you it and does. then people dissecting your every move on social media is also like just adds on to it um you know I think the the issue is that we've kind of created this performative intimacy in a way where I don't yes. you know anytime we say things it's yeah, not necessarily yeah. like disingenuous but it is performative intimacy like we're letting people in a little bit mm-hmm. but the reality is like this is only one facet and part of us like us speaking on this podcast could be very different than us going to get sushi or like mm-hmm. us in distress or yeah. whatever but yeah so when you're doing that type of performative intimacy like there are still very vulnerable aspects but you become so objectified exactly we are objectifying very real very vulnerable stories and i think not like you know i don't want to be one of those people that's like being an influencer is so hard but i do think that anybody in a creative space where you're putting yourself out there whether it's a a political activist whether it's an influencer actor entertainer whatever Mm -hmm. you are objectified and like put under a bit of a microscope Mm -hmm. and then we're treated like consumables because there's so many of us now that it's kind of like you know you just scroll and I, I almost see like with all due respect like I see a lot of social media as the fast food of the internet like it's very Mm -hmm. easy to consume Mm -hmm. but it's not necessarily sustainable for our own well-being right and then we're treating people like we can just throw them away like Mm -hmm. onto the next person onto the next entertainer yes yes can you recall like a first time that you ever got like a hate comment i can't remember the first time i got like a hate comment on youtube but i remember just being part of the doll community on a facebook group Mm -hmm. um i ended up getting on a skype call with some other brats collectors and they just ripped me to shreds. I was really? only 12. I think they were like 15. So they were a little older. They yeah. knew a little better than I did. Yeah. And like my comebacks were like really bad. I, I think one of my comebacks was like, you look like a Jonas brother. Oh my and they, gosh. You know, but their comebacks were really harsh. And yeah. And like they really stung. And I was only like 11 or 12 again. Mm-hmm. So that, I mean, to this day, like that sticks with me. And mm-hmm. I think that 
what it became in my mind was like I was on this pursuit of power. Like now it's even more important for me to have a platform Mm -hmm. because I need to prove these people wrong. I need to prove that like I'm not stupid or like Mm -hmm. I don't deserve to be alone. So I think that that's kind of what it turned into for me. But that's that's my probably not the first time, but my earliest memory of like, oh, this was bad. Like online bullying is real. Mm -hmm. There's such like a weird kind of level to different ages being online as well. Like, Mm. I don't think it's very safe for you to be online as a young person because you have to already fully be matured. I was very matured for my age just because I was experiencing bullying in person. So it kind of forced me to like understand that people bully because they have their own battles and they're trying to feel better about themselves but not every young person can understand that um did you have like a hard time understanding that growing up or did you in a sense kind of like quickly adapt to it I think because of again like constantly being ridiculed because of my mom Mm -hmm. I understood that people did it from typically like not even a malicious place like their own form of validation but I really struggled with like why me why is my whole life centered around like bullying and and Mm -hmm. really it's really hard for me to break from a victim mentality because it does constantly feel like you know I did not I don't want to be like awkward or annoying I just don't always know how to respond like my brain just doesn't always yeah and that's okay I don't think we need to all just be these little social machines like exactly i feel like it's okay to just enjoy each other's presence and you know not critique each other so much yeah it's it's a lot of pressure and i think social media definitely heightens this pressure of like perfection outside of just image but even personality like it's really hard to even watch some podcasts sometimes and be like i wish i could be that funny yeah like witty no literally that's how i've been feeling recently i'm just like at this point though i need to just be myself and i feel like with that comes like critique and stuff and you know i'm like the way i said this maybe it could have been better and maybe people could have received it in a different light but like it isn't this is like here we're here now and i feel like the end to my downfall of like critiquing myself okay we love to hear that we love to hear it (laughs) yeah did you see um jenna ortega's actors on actors with elle fanning Mm -mm. so she she broke down in tears basically from my understanding she was talking kind of about like mob mentality and how Mm. like when now that she has a platform how distressing it is for her to try to be perfect all the time right and like to always say the right thing and like that Mm -hmm. she was saying how there's causes that are really important to her from my recollection because i don't want to be called out myself if i'm misquoting but from my understanding she said that there were like causes that she was passionate about but that she didn't really speak about them because she was afraid of getting called out for saying something wrong or like misunderstanding and i think that there's a really big microscope not just on creators i think this is a a big misconception too it's not just influencers or actors like a big microscope on like you better have all the facts and you better be absolutely perfect on the internet because Mm -hmm. people will come for you they will correct you quickly and sometimes you know i think one of the struggles that i have is like i think there's a big difference between um being ignorant and being intolerable like somebody who is ignorant sometimes wants to learn like they're asking questions because they're curious and like they Mm -hmm. they're willing to make mistakes versus somebody who's not tolerant who is like blatantly bigoted and we get a lot of comments like that like Mm -hmm. i have plenty of bigoted comments and like men all up in my comments telling me how you know i'm gonna burn in hell and i'm an abomination that i'm so sexy (laughs) (laughs) um that part you know when there's people who are ignorant who want to be educated 
there's so much anxiety around like, I don't want to say the wrong thing. I don't want to say the wrong thing. Yeah. That now it's harder to have these conversations sometimes because people mm-hmm. are just trying to avoid it altogether. Like I want, I want to see what Jenna Ortega has to say. Like, exactly. what are your thoughts? Let's, let's live, laugh, learn together. No, because I've seen a lot of old videos of her pop up where she's just talking about like, she'll go on live streams and people <laughs> will be like, you look so gay. And she's <laughs> I know, like, I was thinking about that too. <laughs> gay means happy. <laughs> yeah, she, she just like raised them for <laughs> filth. But I'm like, oh my gosh, you're such a young person who is like expressing their feelings. Yes. And I could see how maybe she didn't feel like there was like a big microscope at the time for her but you know and i'm sure being on disney channel like she was media trained and i'm sure there was a lot of stress going right. on there you know a, a reoccurring thing even again watching your podcast because i literally sat and watched all of them oh um, thank you of course no they're good <laughs> they're good and your guests i was like wow they're so well spoken no I really yeah thought, i really thought i had it in the bag i was like I'm you did like it's a competition right. like i'm trying to win or something <laughs> <laughs> but where is my prize? Bye. <laughs> no, because literally we, a little insider tea. Claudine was supposed to be the first episode, but I was just so unprepared. And it was my first time doing a podcast ever. It was the first pancake. You yeah, know? but the episode was pretty good. And I will say good. that you like are such a, what's the word? Like manipulative person. No, I'm, kidding. <laughs> I'm over you. <laughs> I'm here trying to give you a compliment. You're like, I love shutting it down. Self-deprecating. Like, hey, shut it down. <laughs> no, you're just very well-spoken. Thank you. Yes. Thank you. <laughs> so how do you think you responded to hate comments then versus now? Well, okay. So then I grew up with five older siblings and we, we grew up in an apartment together. We had to share bedrooms. Right. Needless to say, there was a lot of drama all the mm. time. So we were always getting to fights. Yeah. And we went for the jugular. When we had something to say, it was it was rough. So I didn't realize going into the internet that not everybody grew up that way. Mm. So when people were hating on me, I thought at that time, like the appropriate response is like, go in, like mm-hmm. go in on how they look, go mm-hmm. in on their grammar. <laughs> like we, they are never going to want to live again. <laughs> but then I kind of, I kind of learned that one, especially when you're creating a platform, you simply cannot behave that way. Like that's just not professional. But I also, it it never was fulfilling. Like first of all, especially when there's an anonymous comment, you don't know how they're receiving that. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that it left me feeling really stuck in this constant state of, again, Mm hypervigilance of waiting for them to respond, obsessively refreshing, waiting for them to respond so I could go back in on them. Right. Um, And I was emotionally dysregulated. I think a lot of what's going on in the internet right now is a lot of emotional dysregulation. There is a lovely, lovely uh, Breathe With Me Barbie available at Target that I think everyone should purchase. Learn Bye. to meditate. Um, but that's something that I've had to do. Is like emotional regulation? Yeah. Yeah. Like emotional regulation. Go is into in, detail with that because yeah. So being emotionally regulated has a lot to do with your nervous system, which uh. is kind of like your body's response. So being aware of your body and like, are you feeling anxious? Are you feeling angry? Uh. And how does that affect your body? Because I think when I was responding to those comments, I would shake. Like I would literally shake and I would be so like, I couldn't focus on anything else. If my mom would knock on the door and be like, it's dinner time, I'd be like, go away. Like I'm Mm -hmm. so focused on this hate comment Mm -hmm. because I was emotionally dysregulated. But when you learn to emotionally regulate through like healthy coping skills, regardless of what that might be, um, those comments don't feel so overbearing. Like you don't have to focus on somebody's opinion of you because I feel like where my mentality was, was like, oh, they, they mess with the wrong one. Like they 
cannot get one over on me. Like I have to get back at them. Yeah. But becoming emotionally regulated means when you see things that are offensive or like hurtful to you, even if it's like, again, if it's political, if it's a doll you don't like, like whatever it might be, um, being emotionally regulated means that you're not impulsive. Like you don't jump to responding. You Mm -hmm. take a minute, you breathe. You might like write down what you want to say first and then figure out what's a mature, appropriate way to respond. Right. What was the process for you kind of unlearning that? instant reaction lots and lots of therapy yeah. um i did a lot of different types of therapy i did group therapy i've done emdr cbt dbt like all the basic stuff and i just learned different ways of communicating and responding and i i've learned that people respond best to empathy so when there's been a couple times where i started responding to hate comments and i practiced active listening to them so what are they really saying like right. if they're trying to check me like as opposed to being emotionally dysregulated and being like, this offends me and that's not what I meant. Like, mm-hmm. they have to see me for what I intended. Mm-hmm. What about what they're saying? Like, yeah. how about I take a minute to listen to what they're saying yeah. and respond in a way that's empathetic? And normally I'll say something like, it sounds like based on your comment, like if somebody's like your makeup looks busted, I might say something like, you know, it sounds like you're a person who is looking out for others. Like right. you want to make sure that they're presenting their best. Mm-hmm. And of course, like it can be welcome to like hear criticism. But this was a time where like I was not asking for criticism mm-hmm. and I would have preferred it if you would have just not commented at all. And a lot of times people actually respond and they're like, you know, I didn't even think about that. I'm really sorry. Like, mm-hmm. I'm not trying to hate on you or anything. And a lot of people don't realize that their comments are hateful. Exactly. Sometimes they don't even realize. I think there's definitely like right now more than ever. There's a lot of relationships online that people think they have with a creator. Mm, um, parasocial. Parasocial <laughs> relationships. And I feel like these parasocial relationships kind of put you in a state where you have to like be understanding to what the person is saying for sure. Well, like you were saying, kind of like when you want to talk about something, especially with like activism, you want to always be correct and have everything. Yeah. You know, you don't want to be spreading misinformation. Everything prepared, you know? Um, And I feel like when people critique me on my activism or say maybe the way you're expressing your feelings can be harmful to certain communities, it is difficult to kind of like take a seat back and be like, okay, maybe I should reevaluate how I'm speaking or... Well, and I think to, to touch on that in regards to like our nervous system, I recently went to, it wasn't a group therapy, it wasn't like a retreat, but it was like some type of group setting. Mm-hmm. And somebody was saying how they got like a, a comment. I don't remember what specifically it was, but they were critiquing something that she said that was political. Yeah. Um, and she was, she said that she got really flustered. And then the group leader was like, well, it sounds like you were literally being threatened. Mm-hmm. Like you... Because what happens sometimes when you're getting those comments, like you feel so overwhelmed because you're so afraid of like, I don't want people to hate me. I don't want to receive a ton of hate. Mm -hmm. I don't want to lose my job. I don't want to lose my career. I don't want to lose my future. Mm -hmm. So it feels like it feels very threatening sometimes because it can be like, you know, if something gets misinterpreted, it can, you you know, it takes 20 years to build a reputation and five seconds to ruin it. Yeah, I definitely agree. I used to respond in the worst ways possible. And I think it's just... Something within the queer community where you feel like you need to defend yourself Mm, um, over everything. Like, I don't know. I just feel like, especially because people pick on you and bully you so much, you decide to pick up on those things that people say to you, repeat it to them. And sometimes, like, you don't realize how harsh and hurtful the thing somebody said to you was until you say it to somebody else. And you know what's, what's wild is I 
always thought that like when I was attacking people back that they weren't getting hurt by it. Right. Like I guess in my mind, like I just assumed that if they were really hurt by it, like they would start crying or whatever. Yeah. But when people did it, I didn't think I was really hurting them. But at the same time, like we're not here to be your punching bag. Yes. So, so it's, yeah. it's really difficult. I remember being in school and like, I guess this isn't quite online bullying, but I went to a school in a very small town and I was in seventh grade at this time and I was the only gay person that was out at the school. Mm -hmm. And I remember there was like a group of teenage boys and they would always make fun of me every day. And I would go off on them and I'd be like, you know, that's why your teeth are so yellow and blah, 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 Mm -hmm. blah. But they would just all laugh. And it was almost like I was like their little puppets, like perform. Like it was Mm -hmm. like I was like an object. And it was so frustrating and it felt so powerless for me to not know how I could retaliate to hurt them to a point where they would stop. Like Mm -hmm. I had to punish them. Right. And now that I'm older, I look back and I'm like, well, one, like, you know, that's just not my responsibility. That's so much energy on me to try to do. Mm -hmm. But when you're again, like when you go through trauma or emotional dysregulation, you just want to control that. Like you want people to stop beating you up all the time. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's definitely relevant to online bullying. Do you think the way that you handled your in-person bullying kind of prepared you for your online bullying um, and how to, you know, be a public figure. I think what it prepared me for or like what it set me up for was how like it just ingrained in my brain. Like I have to have a platform. Like mm-hmm. I have to be important. I have to prove these people wrong. Right. And to be fair, like I would say 2021, I remember there was people from that school DMing me. They're like, I'm so proud of you, blah, 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 blah. And I was like, you made my life a living hell, but they are the reason I created a platform because, again, I just wanted to prove people wrong, right. which was not necessarily healthy within itself. Like, depends on how you perceive it. But mm-hmm. when I started responding differently is really when I learned how to, well, at least what, how I responded differently to online hate was when I learned about boundaries. And mm-hmm. I was like, you know, sometimes you just cannot read the comments. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you gotta you got to hire someone to delete them or you got to <laughs> hire someone to press block because it was getting really really bad. And I feel like this is like, you know, getting into the the trenches. But in 2021 and like 20, early 2022, like Mm -hmm. after, before my dad had passed and like after my dad had passed, it was just too much for me to be getting DMs all the time of people just, they hate me. Like they, there's some people that really hate me. Mm -hmm. And I, the way, the only way I knew how to cope was to drink. So it's like drinking, drinking, blacking out, drinking Mm. all the time. Um, and I had to learn, like, this is not healthy for me. Like, the yeah. only option is to just not see it. Like, I cannot see that. Right. That's not going to help me grow. Mm-hmm. It's not sustainable. Um, so I had to set set boundaries, very firm boundaries. Where did you learn it from? Was it, like, maybe people in your family? And you, like, full, if you want to cut anything out. Um, I actually learned my therapist, my current therapist, is a trauma-informed therapist. And thankfully, she told me that she had a friend who... I don't know if they had a platform or like basically they went through something where they ended up getting a lot of hate. Mm -hmm. And she referred me to an Instagram account, Clementine Morgan. And Clementine posts a lot about like boundaries within the Internet. And what she would just say is like, just block people. I I was actually speaking to lawyers at that time, too. Mm -hmm. And one of the lawyers told me um, they referred me to ContraPoints YouTube video. Yeah, I love ContraPoints. But the lawyer said that if people are hating on you, like you can block them like that is your home like that's your space yeah so people are not like if you don't want them to be welcome in your space then kick them out yeah and I kind of helped me reframe what my platform is like it's not everyone else's home like this is my safe space right. that I can only keep a safe space by having healthy boundaries exactly. and part of that is like if you're not going to respect me then you you cannot stay in my home. Mm-hmm. Like if you're not going to take your shoes off don't don't come in here don't try to put your your shoes on my bed I mean I guess <laughs> 
Liz is different. <laughs> Liz is different. We're in a different space for sure. <laughs> no, I that is so like aspirational. I oh. honestly like I learned from you from a lot of ways that I respond to hate because I used to be a person where it's like so catty with people online. I'd just be like very in a way like though I let the hate propel me to greatness and to proving people wrong. Um, it was also kind of overtaking everything that was positive for me like all i would think about was negative things how can i respond how can i prove people wrong how can i educate you know at the end of the day like activism is you trying to change people's minds and make a difference so you kind of have to go through changing people's minds and you know making them rethink everything and do some unlearning from what they thought a trans person was or what they thought a black person was or whatever like minority group you're in like just to remove stereotypes from kind of like a lens that people have onto you two two things with that is like one i mean people love you but i feel like you genuinely do not receive enough credit for how revolutionary you are like (laughs) i i say this all the time but i for real i think like in less than a decade we're going to be seeing you in school history books i feel like you are revolutionizing (laughs) the queer space and i do think that your voice is really really important i don't feel like we've seen a trans person like you in the media and like just the way that you move about the world is just so brilliant like you really know what you're you're doing yeah for real (laughs) i appreciate it of course just when i hear those things it's so validating because that's like literally what i aspire to do every single day is to make change and help people in a sense just realize that it's okay to be themselves and it's okay to be different and you know it's it's hard but hearing that is very of course (laughs) you know nobody nobody deserves to feel alone and i feel like when you're made to feel that way yeah i don't like thinking in such a black and white way Mm -hmm. but i do think of like disney like heroes and villains a lot of the times the villains and the heroes are like going through the same exact thing yeah but some people choose to take it and become so powerful and like such a such an agent for change and then you know sometimes people don't and it becomes harder and like you become self-consumed but the Mm -hmm. way that you've chosen to take what you've experienced and say like i don't want other people to have to experience this like i'm gonna be an agent for change is so important like you know i I feel the same way like that's a lot of what it's not what i started off as so that's why i say like i started off because i wanted validation i felt alone yeah so then my platform became not even intentionally people commenting like i'm a boy who collects dolls like you've inspired me and like i've showed my grandma your reviews and now she's letting me buy dolls like seeing comments like that became like okay now this is a big part of my platform like i have a platform and i think it's important to advocate for the fact that you know a lot of the things that we're advocating for are one not hurtful to anybody Mm -hmm. (laughs) not hurtful and a lot of the times are just have to do with existing yeah just just wanting equal rights like not that difficult of a concept have you ever been canceled before and i know you were talking (laughs) about (laughs) like uh maybe once or twice i've definitely been canceled before and like you were talking about how that's all you could focus on was hate comments um yeah and in a sense when you are being canceled you that's literally that's all in your comments so how did you go about like handling that and like what was the experience for you i guess i'll start by saying that it's difficult because i think even if i'm perceiving it as a hate comment like because it's triggering for me in some way Mm -hmm. not every hate comment is a hate comment and i think when people experience 
some type of cancellation. It's oftentimes people trying to be agents for change without realizing that this is not a sustainable or healthy way of going about creating change because there is just literal proof. If people want to look it up, her name is Dr. Christine Marie, Mm -hmm. and she did a whole dissertation on media misrepresentation and how important it is for human beings to be able to tell their own narrative. Mm -hmm. So when people experience cancellation or like public humiliation of any way, because that's really what what canceling is meant to do. Like it's public shaming and humiliation Mm -hmm. in hopes of changing a person in power. So that way, you know, they're being held accountable or that way that they are Mm -hmm. being, you know, changed in some way that they're they're representing a certain community in like a healthy way and that they're like an ideal citizen Mm -hmm. but what the dissertation explains is that what happens when you're receiving that level of criticism or hatred or what have you a lot of people tend to develop ptsd symptoms and Mm -hmm. you can't be an agent for change if you're like a martyr or you know you're not able to emotionally regulate so i think that's the first part of it. Um, yes, I've been canceled numerous, numerous times. I don't even know if I have the emotional regulation to go into the details of all of it. And I think in lieu of us saying like, you know, we don't want to be misinformed or say things on the internet that are wrong. So that's why I like pause and I really have to think about what I'm saying because yeah. I do not want to say something out of a trauma response. But I think what's happened is I've felt so dehumanized and so humiliated that you know it affects my everyday life like I feel very I feel more alone than I probably ever have I feel incapable Mm -hmm. of making change but yet I still continue to try to do it and I think there's a large portion of the social media community that I think needs a voice that is like so terrified of being canceled or like Mm -hmm. being on the other end of that that is why I talk about how like I do think there's a difference between being ignorant and being intolerable and I don't think I'm like a bigoted person like I would not I would not be going around uh just saying slurs definitely not now and (laughs) I definitely would never do something intentionally that would cause harm to others now with that being said I am a firm believer that like when you're apologizing, your intention does not matter. You do not need to say like, oh, I didn't mean to hurt your feelings or like, I'm sorry if this offended anybody. My belief around that is like, don't be sorry you offended anybody because other people's feelings are not something to be sorry for or to pity. Second thing is I think part of being accountable in an apology is about saying like acknowledging you made a mistake and how are you going to change it and how are you going to move forward? And for me, I think what I've tried to represent like through my own platform is continuing to try to be an agent for change, continuing to try to represent things and just do the best that I can to Mm -hmm. be as best a role model as I can, which includes not responding the way that I used to to things. It includes being a representation of healthy boundaries, but canceling is a big topic. We could go on for hours about that. (laughs) No, and I think for sure, like the way you've handled it is amazing. I am somebody who has also been canceled many of times. A lot of it's just like misunderstandings or like me growing up in front of the camera and learning with the world. Um, In a sense, you kind of just have everything documented. So it kind of puts you up for critique no matter what, because it's it's intense. You literally are learning. There was a post that Clementine shared recently that was it kind of like changed my thought process around things that said that essentially there's a lot of scapegoating going on that like other people like we're not billionaires and this could become again a whole political topic but Mm -hmm. we're not billionaires like we're not out here with like 
obscene amounts of powers. We are still marginalized people that like if we get canceled from our groups, where do we turn to? Mm -hmm. Like, I can't go to the church. Like, I'm I'm still going to be who I am. Like, I'm still a queer individual Mm -hmm. um, and I still have very niche interests. So, like, I rely on my marginalized group for -hmm. support and community. Yeah. So I think the misconception about, like, canceling people like us and not to say again that like you know we can't be accountable or like change or make mistakes Mm -hmm. but I think the difference is that like we're not like Trump like we're not billionaires where like if you are calling us out for something that we have so much power that like we can just get away with things like if if it's over for us like it's over yeah we don't really have anywhere else to go so I I do think that there's a lot of scapegoating going on where people who have that much power we're like turning against each other. Like, you know, the, there was like a, a funny joke someone made and I'm trying to think of it, but like, it was something about like eating the rich, but then we're just like eating ourselves. Like what happens after you've eaten all the rich? Like you start eating each other. And mm-hmm. I feel like we've skipped the part of like eating the rich and we're just eating ourselves and we need to have solidarity, especially in our marginalized groups. Like I still love my community. Um, I love the queer community. I love the doll community. The agent of change I want to create is solidarity and like being together and, and less loneliness yeah and a safe space to change and grow that's so beautiful i Aww, love it all thanks <laughs> thanks let's put it on a note card yeah <laughs> let me go do something to get canceled real oh. quick <laughs> no <laughs> i don't want to go through that again <laughs> no no but this no. time i can be there <laughs> right <laughs> right because you said you're feeling alone and i'm just like I don't know. A lot of the times also, like, you feel very isolated because even the people in your workspace are turning on you because they're worried about their reputation. So not only will they throw all their morals out the door of, like, friendship and, you know, standing with you because what people are saying online is so loud. Yeah. But they're also, in a sense, like becoming those people who are also hating um so it kind of just becomes so loud to the point where you're like how do i even deal with this if the only people i can go to is my family because they're forced to be there for me and it's it's (laughs) difficult to like there's layers where like family doesn't always get it where they're kind of like just ignore the hate comments yeah that definitely just it doesn't i don't feel like that works like it depends on what you mean by ignore if you mean ignore by like again pay someone else to delete and block Mm mm-hmm Sure, because then you're never seeing it. But if you're reading it, you logically cannot ignore once you've consumed it. Like once you've seen it, you can't just block it out your brain. Yeah. Secondly, I am also guilty, especially before getting canceled, of like being afraid of associating with canceled people. Because I'm like, Mm. I don't want to be part of it. Like Mm. I don't I don't want to end up losing my reputation. Like I need to make sure I stay in good status with my with my community. And then once you experience it, you're like, wow that was an asshole thing of me to do as a friend, like stand by your friends. Exactly. But I mean, I understand the anxiety. And I think that again is, I speak to the importance of solidarity and like being able to speak out against like what, what's really happening here. And like, why do we cancel people? That's the conversation I want to be having because I think that there's a lot of validation in it because I remember canceling people and calling people out Mm -hmm. because you get so many likes for it. People love it. They want to see you drag and read and it feels it feels okay because it feels like you are taking down the villain. Right. But I can't, I think it was Betty for Dan or like somebody in um, during second wave feminism that said that the actually probably wasn't Betty for Dan then. But somebody who said that uh, the snowflake doesn't have to be responsible for the avalanche. So when you're making one story post dragging someone, 
you're not on the other end, the receiving end of like reading hundreds of story posts yeah. dragging and reading you and like mm-hmm. calling you out where then it feels incredibly overwhelming. Like you drown in the avalanche. Right. I do want to take a minute to say that in lieu of speaking about trauma and emotional dysregulation, in order to truly be accountable, I think it takes time. Like you have to take time to really process what people are telling you that you mm-hmm. did wrong and what mistakes you've made to yeah. be able to even change. Yeah. To come right out immediately, I think if we're to look at it from a marketing stance, sure, marketing wise, it might be smart to come out and say something. But us being real human beings, which I would rather advocate versus marketing, is we need to process it. We need to take a minute to think, like, what are people saying? So I do think, like you were saying, like sometimes things are being said, even if you're not being canceled or like you see something else happen, you feel like I have to speak now. The world ain't going anywhere, not in our timeline. So I think that we can take a minute to you know, decompress, really process what people are saying, and then address things again in a mature and truly accountable way. Because when you're forcing, you can't force people into accountability, especially as someone who's been in some toxic relationships. You tell your your ex to go to therapy. They're not just going to go do it. They're yeah. not going to just go do it. And if they go do it, like you can bring the horse to water, but you cannot make them drink. So <laughs> again, they have to want to change. Like people have to want to change yeah. and, and account for their mistakes and Mm -hmm. i think that happens by having the space and time and support to do that to feel safe enough like if i do change like am i going to be accepted or am i going to be told that like this is a bullshit apology i think there's a lot of fear around that You keep on saying in lieu of in the lieu. What does lieu mean? <laughs> you know, I, I've been spelling it wrong this whole time. I th- I thought it was L O U. That's like the name. It's L I E U. I think it's French or something. In oh. lieu of that. In lieu. In lieu. It's like we just had a baguette. Or something. <laughs> um, in lieu of that, we have my supporters asking questions about online bullying. So I want to give them the platform to, in a yes. sense. Hear yeah. from us and see what they're saying. A lot of them are statements, I will say. Um, so just give me your opinion on what they're saying. Okay. All right. <laughs> yeah, because I originally said questions are hot takes on online bullying. And like every single one was mostly a hot take, which I think kind of goes to show that like online bullying is not just for like people who are influencers no, and creators. No, no, I feel no, like no. it's like bleeding into our normal everyday lives you know, as I, people who are just everyday people, you know? I think of like just kids on Instagram. I'm sure they're getting bullied in school. Oh, like absolutely. completely manipulated. And I just feel so... Well, because like people. the people who were too afraid to say things to me in person at school would say it online. And then... When I didn't have classes with them, it's like, oh, that was no. the only place where you had to confront me. Stephanie Germanata, you will never be famous. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I definitely think it's like very prevalent with everybody in the world, not just people who are public figures. Yes. People are too comfortable hiding behind a screen. What do you think about that? I, I guess like I kind of understand. I don't necessarily know what it's like to hide behind a screen because anytime I've been hateful on the Internet, it was public because I'm stupid. But <laughs> I do think that people who who are hiding behind a screen, like, again, I just think emotional dysregulated. When I hear somebody's like that, I'm like, get some therapy. Right. You'll be fine. Get Everything some therapy, that like <laughs> people have said to me on screen also is just like not matched up with the actions that right. they have said they were going to do or call me you know like it's just always cowardly it's always like all talk no walk yes it's which just, you i'm know, not here to get like threatened and here to get like hate crime you know but this this yeah. might be too much drama but i do sometimes i'm like 
do I secretly know this person? Yeah. Is this person on a fake account because I know them and they're too afraid to say it with their chest? But I'm a big firm believer in say it with your chest. Yeah. If you're not going to, again, if you can't say it immediately, just be like, I got to take some time to respond. But exactly. if you're going to say it, say it with your chest. I agree. How do you spot the difference between people bullying and joking, which I think is so prevalent right now, but just because like <sighs> the culture of comments right now is just so belittling and... Yeah, every, again, everybody thinks they're your friend. We're not in the we're not in the workroom. <laughs> like, stop. You're not on Drag Race. Yeah, it's hard to imagine how much vulnerability I'm giving to others, mm-hmm. and for me to understand why they feel very, very close to me, which I think is a good thing to feel because for some people, I'm like the only trans person they know and feel like they can identify with. Um, but also, that's a lot of pressure. I feel like with that pressure, people need to understand that we are just people. Yeah. Um, and we can't give out so much vulnerability to the point where we're stretching ourselves thin. No, it's exhausting. Yeah. But, you know, sometimes jokes are funny. I will say that. Yeah. Like somebody came into one of my auctions and they trolled it by like buying up a ton of stuff. And what I've kind of learned through watching Drag Race and like other drag queens is sometimes you, if somebody makes a joke at you, make a joke back. Right. Like sometimes it's, just, it's not that serious. Life mm-hmm. is not that serious. Just no. have a good time. I think I've learned that especially with my friends because as we were growing up and as we were pretty new into our transitions we were being mean to each other because we were all insecure (laughs) you know you you make those condescending passive aggressive comments and it hurts like it really it does really hurt and I just think I've gotten to a point now where maybe I'm just so dissociative and like emotionally numb myself I'm like you know what I'm just gonna make a comment back Mm -hmm. but not not on you'll never see me respond to somebody on tiktok snotty or like anything like that like I I just don't come back no yeah and I used to but I feel like at this point it's just not worth it um and sadly we have a lot to lose Mm -hmm. (laughs) when it comes Mm -hmm. to how we behave so it's kind of like you can't be rude and snobby even you wanted to I say that for my mom also very (laughs) isolating no it it definitely is because I want to respond how I want to respond I want to make sure that not only am I being authentic to what I'm putting out in the world but if I'm gonna get a hate comment I want to be authentic we should go to a rage room (laughs) we should I want to you can't let it out on the people on the internet so we might as well go to a rage room break some things (sighs) I just feel like sometimes though like you expect me to be so authentic and share everything with the world, but you don't like it when I'm here to respond to you when you have something negative to say. No, about it's me. it's so it's such a double edged sword. Mm-hmm. Like, but I I love the tweet. There was a tweet that was like me after I finally respond after years of like people criticizing me, and it's like, well, sorry, I guess I'm such a bitch for sticking up for myself. Right. But I was I just thought it was so funny. I was like, That's so true. <laughs> but it's true, That's you so know. True. <sighs> Sometimes you gotta just take the villain at it that part no I, and i've been comfortable with sitting back and being the villain honestly because like because you're not like you're literally not exactly like, i i just know that it's like a false representation of what i am and what i put out in the world so powerful and you know like in a sense if people are gonna think that about me i know what i am i know what i'm sticking for so a narrative that's about me online is out of my control you know I I say that's so powerful and not even in like a like a patronizing way but because I do think when you experience so much of that it's very hard to not lose yourself there are times where I'm like am I just actually a really bad person and I just don't realize it no and I to be fully transparent like I've been through being in my bedroom reading those comments reading being canceled 
considering am I actually being a bad person for what I'm doing? Yes. You know, like I would sit there, cry, reevaluate everything that I would say. And I'd have to lean on my friends to kind of like put me back in check. Like, no, this is what you meant, V. And this is what people are like twisting your words. And I had to learn to continue to stick to my word. So I didn't look like I was fumbling in a bunch in front of a bunch of people. It's it's hard. You're juggling a lot. <laughs> you are. <laughs> but, you know, as hard as it is, it's like prepared me for so much. And I feel like it makes me such a strong person. And it makes me understand like relationships, friendships on another level where I can be the mature person if somebody's being rude to me and which you have. <laughs> I will say the times that I've seen it, you can be very like you don't you don't have to like address everything right you're, you can be very business and when you put your business hat on you're not exactly you, know, you don't have time to come with the comebacks me on the other hand sometimes i'm like you better check yourself mm. like i'm like you better cut it out but yeah you know no I, I, I do think it's important to be mature yeah i can't deny with my friends i will be a little immature but it's always to the point where it's like oh, those are always such good memories you know <laughs> i i feel like I'm never going to say anything to you that isn't true. <laughs> right. Right. Even if it's just true in the moment. Exactly. If it's just true to me, it's absolutely true. Like, if you're being rude, you're being rude. I'm going to call you out on it. And maybe one day we'll get to a place on the internet where humanity is like just more emotionally evolved and I could just be like, you're being rude. No, like, literally. You know, I didn't I, even think in a about sense, that. I do that when I'm educating people because, yeah. not to make people feel insecure back, but like, you're poking at me because you have insecurities and because you're not happy with myself and because I am. And so I have to remind you, you know, I'm just here being proud of myself and being in my authentic skin while you're critiquing that you in a sense cannot ever feel that until you understand that you hate yourself. Yeah. You know, <laughs> so, get, again, get a therapist. Right. Better help exists. You know, it's surprising. I don't have a therapist and I really wish get I did. <laughs> <laughs> That's what this is right now. Uh, but to be real, it's just like a, it's just, just a live, laugh, love time. Like yeah. it's just fun to be in therapy and you know, it's not mm -hmm. always fun because you're being emotionally drained, but you just learn so much. <laughs> I'll end off with this is like the best way to approach therapy is treating it like school. Yeah. Treat it like you're taking a class. Mm -hmm. You're there to learn about like techniques about emotional regulation. Mm -hmm. You're there to learn about yourself. And I know a lot of people are gonna be like, I already know myself, blah, 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 blah. Mm -hmm. But like, let's be real. I'm sure everyone can think of a time where they look back and they're like, I didn't even think I was coming off that way. Or like, I didn't realize I was behaving that way. Yeah. And a therapist there is just kind of be like, um, well, you are being this way and they're being paid to do it. So it's mm -hmm. not like a friend. There's no right. emotional attachment where mm -hmm. you feel like you're being condescending. There's no jealousy. And it's again, treat it like school. Treat it like you're learning something, not like a doctor because a therapist is not a doctor. Big misconception. Well, I think that'll wrap us up for today's episode. Do you have anything that is coming up for you that you want to do a little shameless plug for Ooh. or any social platforms that you want to also share? Um, aside from Oklahoma, I am doing... <laughs> so I'm going to be... <laughs> I'm going to be selling these these hands that I made. I got a 3D printer and I made custom hands that I'm calling Claudina's Claws no on my whatnot. Way. Yeah, so people can get little customized hands. Um, they are like, you know... I, I think legally it's fine, but there it's a small batch. It's bespoke art, and it's inspired by Monster High. Oh, okay. For legal reasons. Are it's these, inspired. 
Inspired. It might fit in the doll's hands. Oh, okay, I was like, can you like click it onto their hands? Yeah. Okay, for sure. Okay, They're just I was my like, own like hand poses. What are these hands? <laughs> because, you know, there's a lot of like dolls that have come out, but like I love doll photography and yeah. we need more poses. Like, so yeah. I did like different poses that you could do, like a, like a heart hand. Mm-hmm. Um, there's like a middle finger and there's like a, oh no, I didn't do rock out because they already had that. But whatever they haven't made, I was How like, you know what? Cute. I'm going to have to purchase. Well, yeah, they're only going to be like $5. So ah! it's cheap. Period. Um, and for me, I guess my social media platforms are Beyondre Mitchell on Instagram, Beyondre on TikTok, Beyondre M on Snapchat, and Beyondre Mitchell on YouTube and Twitter. If you want to watch this live and in person, all the visuals, you can watch this on the Past Your Bedtime YouTube channel. And don't forget to subscribe. It really helps keep the safe space for queer people of color like myself. But that'll end us for today's episode. Thank you so much for listening again. I love you, dollies. Bye.